Hey everybody, I'm Paul. And I'm Reagan. And welcome to another edition of the Student Ask Podcast. Um, Reagan, we want to start out the show today and we just wanted to give out some some love, send some love out to some people here in our own backyard that are doing camp ministry. Um, just just by way of uh, people that we support and we care about and want to give some people just a little bit of a uh, some love. So wanted to give a little bit of love straight off the bat to uh, Nate and Joni Horn out at Valley Haven Camp. Camp is kind of out in the Mountain View, uh, Vale-ish area of town off Old Shelby Road. Um, they do incredible work. Um, so if you guys are just looking for someone to support or if you're a church out there and you're looking for a place to do a retreat in this area, I would challenge you to look up uh, Valley Haven Camp. Got a lot of stuff here, especially close to the Hickory Charlotte area as well. And uh, Reagan, you have a camp that is special to your heart too. Yeah, yeah. The camp I worked at before I worked at Corinth, the Hickory Cove Bible Camp up in Taylorsville, uh, right on the lake. T-Vegas. T-Vegas, T-Vegas, baby. Uh, they just finished uh, kind of the last week, uh, two weeks ago of their full summer, so got some some straggling events through the rest of the year, but uh, a lot of the staff there deserve a good week or two or three or four off. <laughs> Our boy Micah Chen out there doing incredible work. We're super proud of you guys, Amen. you and uh, Nate and Joni. Um, so I wanted to give you guys a shout out. Also, since uh, since we've been here last, Reagan, we we suffered through the Olympics. Um, yes. It was it was sort of painful. I wish the USA had been more dominant, but you know, hey, we we <laughs> we did some good stuff. Um, and uh, and of course, you know, now coming into the best time of year when college football is getting ready to happen, and then college basketball starts back up, and more importantly. The school year starts back up, and we begin to have way more people here in the building because uh, school's back and people are back from their vacations and camps and all that kind of stuff. So our big concept that we're dealing with this week is dealing with doubt. Uh, dealing with doubt. And doubt is something that uh, you might get into two different camps with. You, you, either the group of people that you're with love to talk about doubt, and they talk about it all the time, and it's just almost celebrated, or you never talk about doubt. And so the reason I wanted to do this, especially parents, if you're listening or students as well, there are way more things to introduce doubt to you all these days than there were when I was growing up. When I was growing up, the things that you got doubt from or maybe, you know, a science class or maybe you began to hear some other teacher talk to you about, could we trust the Bible or things like that? Or, or maybe just a conversation that you got into with someone with a different life outlook. But I have had multiple conversations now here with students um, over over just the past couple years that they've said things like, well, you know, I've been in church all my life, but then I started watching this TikTok video, which led me to another TikTok video, which led me to another one, to another one, to another one. And the next thing I know, I just had all these doubts about Christianity or, or you know, someone forwarded on to me this YouTube video and it really caused me to have these doubts about this or that. And, uh, you know, just all of a sudden they have this crisis of faith and they go, I have these doubts, what I would do with them. And so right off the bat, when we're going to talk about dealing with doubt, let's just say this straight up. Doubts are natural. Um, all of us, when we get all of our facts for living, never notice that all the facts for living, no matter they are, don't all come at once. Uh, a lot of them come come together in packages, but sometimes we get facts about how we're going to live, you know, at different parts in our lives from different people in our lives. And ho- of course, hopefully we're getting, as Christians, a lot of that from church and from the Bible. Uh, but questions and doubts are nothing new, and there's certainly nothing to be afraid of. And what I always want to say is that doubts are always something that get given more power when we don't feel the ability to communicate them. But 
we as Christians aren't afraid of doubts because we have good answers. And so one of the things that I would, that I always try to tell students is the reason why I'm and other pastors aren't afraid of doubts is because, number one, there's nothing new under the sun. You're not going to have a question that someone hasn't phrased in a different way over the last 2,000 years. None of us will. But secondly is because we have good answers. And the the analogy is, you know, if if a mother and father go out into their backyard on the weekend of Easter and they hide, you know, 20 eggs back in the backyard. And as they hide the 20 eggs in the backyard, you know, the, the kid comes back and goes, yeah, there's only 18 back there. You guys are terrible. You know, the, the mom and the dad don't freak out because they know the other two are back there. The, the student just hasn't found them yet. So the first thing about dealing with doubt is, and this is kind of a basic one, but is take your doubts to Jesus and the church. And part of this is the idea of having questions and having doubts is not sinful. You know, if you think about you as a kid, I love being around like four and five-year-olds because they have questions about everything. Why is this? Why did you do this, Daddy? What is this all about? Why, why is that color blue? Why, you know, all these colors. And we as fathers, you know, we try our best to answer the questions that uh, that kids have. But if you think about our Father in Heaven, who's ultimately good, Obviously, we can take our questions to him. So the quickest way to strip power from doubt isn't to hide it, but actually to take it to Jesus. And so the story that I would point you towards is Matthew 11, 1 to 6. Now, let me give you the context. Uh, obviously, John, the story is about John the Baptist and Jesus, but John the Baptist is the first one in the Bible that when he sees Jesus walking up to him and says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the earth. Uh, we know in John chapter 3 that uh, John the Baptist says of Jesus, he must become more and I must become less. And so, but in Matthew chapter 11, John the Baptist finds himself in jail and he begins to doubt. And so when he begins to doubt, he doesn't just lay there in prison and doubt. He comes and he has his disciples come to him and he says to his disciples, hey, go find Jesus and ask Jesus, hey, are you the one or should we be looking for someone else? And so when he takes this question and gives it to his disciples, his disciples take it to Jesus and Jesus says, well, you tell you tell John what you see, that, that, that the lame are being healed, the blind receive sight and blessed is no one who falls away from faith on my account. And the beautiful thing is John took his doubt to Jesus and received satisfaction. So I know that all of us would love to take our doubt directly to Jesus if he was standing here right in front of us. But the next best thing is to seek wise counsel, to seek godly counsel, to seek trusted counsel. And that's at your church. Um, those are the people that professionally do this. And it could be your parents, could be um you know, your youth pastor or your pastors at church or your young life leader or university leader or, you know, campus crusade leader or whatever like that. But part of it is that you want to take that doubt and you want to expose it and you want to have it be satisfied. I was going to tell Reagan, I said, you know, Reagan, when you were growing up, did you, you know, had you had doubts, who were some of the people that you think you could have taken those doubts to? Well, specifically with, you know, me having worked at camp so much, it was a little bit then I was more involved with, with camp than I was in church. But, uh, you know, definitely anybody full-time staff at camp or really even any kind of like the head counselors. Um, but I think a lot of kids, especially in the like the middle school age when they start going to youth and stuff, they really think they're the only one who's ever asked this question or had this doubt and that uh, if they ever ask it out loud, God's going to condemn them for not 
just fully believing right from the start, uh, and or that their pastors are going to think they're stupid and and literally tell them not to come back to church. You don't get to come out to youth anymore because you asked me a question, um, which is something that was always kind of on my heart at, at camp and was something we always made very clear to kids that came through. Ask us questions, please. That's There are 12 counselors in this room right now, you know, because we we want to be able to answer your questions. Absolutely. And so, again, to reiterate, uh, having doubts is natural. Uh, it's, it's what we do with them that matters. And so take your doubts to Jesus, just like John the Baptist did. And if John the Baptist had doubts, we're in good company. Um, you know, we're in good company in terms of having doubts. So the second thing is, you and I need to understand the difference between real doubt and stubborn doubt. So Jesus doesn't call out, you know, John the Baptist and say, I can't believe you had doubt, John the Baptist. But he does call out Thomas in the Bible and says, stop doubting and believe. Now, let's talk about the story because we need to understand the difference between real doubt and stubborn doubt. Now, in John chapter 20, this is verses 24 through 29, after the resurrection, Jesus has come into a room that is locked and stands in the presence of his disciples and reveals himself to them. I mean, literally walks through the wall and all his disciples are there except for Thomas. And so Thomas then later on when they're describing it to him, he says, no, I'm not going to believe. He's going to have to stand here in front of me and I'm going to have to put my hand in his side where the spear pierced him and put my hands into the nail holes in his hands. That's the only way that I'm going to believe. And the difference between doubt and stubborn doubt is stubborn doubt is doubting in the face of evidence. So if we think about what's going on in in this text, Jesus gives evidence to um, John the Baptist while John the Baptist is in jail. But Jesus has given evidence to his disciples, even though Thomas is not there. There's eyewitness accounts. They all could have said, Thomas, we were literally standing here. Jesus came and stood among us. He said, peace be with you. You know, if we if we take the parts of John and combine it as well, like he eats a piece of fish in front of him. I mean, you know, it just, and then it proceeds to talk to him. And Thomas decides he is going to doubt anyway. And so, we have natural doubt, but then we need to actually look into the mirror and ask ourselves the question, do we have doubt that we're choosing to doubt? Are we saying, I will cling to this doubt because it helps fit my narrative on life, or it helps fit something that I like, or if it helps fit my way of thought? Because Thomas is doing that. Thomas has clear evidence, and not just from, you know, Joe Blow on the street, but from his closest friends that he spent the last three years living with, and there, you know, he's going to choose to doubt. Now, this is why it's important, because in our culture, with things like TikTok, with things like, you know, uh, all our all our short videos that we can put on anywhere on the internet or on social media, there is a movement now where having doubt is a little bit of a badge of honor. You know, you're not really someone that's wrestling things unless you have doubt. And then you actually want to have that doubt and celebrate it and go, you know, I'm, I'm really into deep things because I doubt this and I doubt that. And people tell me these things and they show me evidence, but I still doubt it because I'm just open-minded. You're, I hate to say this, but if you continue to doubt things, when clear evidence has been given, that's not being open-minded. That's kind of just being dumb. And so this part of doubt not being sinful, while that is true, 
willingly choosing to be stubborn in your doubt just because you don't like the alternative is something that Jesus calls out. And he says to Thomas, stop doubting and believe. And, and, and the underlying part of that is when you've been given this clear evidence, you can't just continue to doubt because you want to. You've got to get off the fence and make a decision. Now, the third part is a little bit less to deal with doubt and is just simply to say being tricked isn't the same as having doubt. And so part of it is for a student is to understand the difference of, am I being tricked? Am I being hoodwinked? Am I being swindled into believing something that's not true? Or do I really have a doubt because there's a legitimate place to doubt? Now, again, we've said this before. We have an enemy. His name is Satan. And uh, of course, he shows up in the the form of the serpent in Genesis chapter 3. And he tricks the first two people in the world, Adam and Eve, into doubting God. Now, most of the time, the way Satan gets you to doubt things is he's going to get you to doubt one of two things. God is not that good and God is not that great. And that plays out in so many different ways, whether it's what you believe about the Bible, what you believe about the cross, what you believe about the gospel, what you believe about the resurrection, what you believe about Christ's teaching, what you believe about God's ability to keep his church together for 2,000 years. All those doubts play out of the same place of, is God really that good? Is God really that great? And so if we look at the difference between being tricked and having doubt, we look at what happens in Genesis chapter 3. And Genesis chapter 3 is comical in that the, the serpent shows up and he says to Adam and Eve, did God really say that you can't eat from any tree of the garden? Now, if we were to go back to Genesis chapter 2, God's one command is you can eat freely of any tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for then your eyes will be open. And so Satan tricks them. Now, I want to show you the way that you and I can not be tricked, be on our guard against being tricked, and so that it won't lead you into more doubts because you want to know the difference between doubting and being tricked. So if we look at how Satan does this, you know, Number one, notice that Satan gives you slight variations in an argument that sounds true. So God said, do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but you can eat of any tree. Satan twists it and says, did God say you can't eat of any tree? And there's usually in a twisted argument, there's enough of the original to trick you into thinking that it's the real thing. But we hear this all the time in culture as well. You'll hear something that is 90% biblically true with a 10% addition at the very end of it. And so similarly, you know, you would latch on to John 3.16 and someone with a trick would say, yes, God loves you so much that he gave his only son for you that whoever believes in him would have eternal life. And God wants you to be happy. So do that thing that makes you happy. Obviously, he gave his son to die for you. There's 90% truth in that, and the 10% about God wants you to be happy, so do whatever you want is the lie, but it's just crafty enough to make you think, oh, that that's it. And then when you hear someone teach the opposite, teach the truth, you begin to doubt. You're not really doubting. You've been tricked, however. The second thing is uh, learn to be able to spot self-defeating statements when someone is claiming to make a truth claim. Now, again, Frank Turek and other apologists um, Norm Geisler, you know, there's a bunch you can look up. Uh, I can put some in the notes for the podcast. Love to talk about this, and they're brilliant in the way they ex- explain it. But a self-defeating statement is a statement that doesn't agree with its premise. 
And so a statement that doesn't agree with its premise would be something like this. I can't speak a word of English. <laughs> now, what I just said, I can't speak a word of English, is a self-defeating statement because what did I just do? Spoke a sentence in English. Uh, so self-defeating statements are things like this. We can't know the truth. Well, if a statement that says we can't know the truth is supposed to be true, then it's self-defeating because how can we know that that statement is true? What if someone says, we can only trust things that are proven through the scientific method? Here's the problem. The statement, we can only trust things that are proven through the scientific method, is a philosophical statement, not a scientific statement. Therefore, it is a self-defeating statement. And so students that begin to figure this out when someone says, we, we can't know the truth, you want to say, so is that statement true? If someone says something like, you know, there's no way that something can be absolutely true, you want to say, are you absolutely sure about that? Because the statement is a self-defeating statement. So another trick would be avoid, learn to avoid things that sound intellectual, but really are just mumbo jumbo. They, a lot of people are tricked by things that sound intellectual and they love to repeat them because they sound smart when they say them, but they're really not. They're usually what are called circular arguments, an argument that really has no point, but to drive you back around to another point that is not the point that they're trying to make. So an example of one of these would be if someone says to you, well, during Roman times, we know that all slaves were treated poorly. And you know what? The Bible talks about how you treat slaves. So therefore the Bible promotes slavery. Well, there is a bunch of if-then statements that sound very you know, intellectual, but they're actually not true. And so part of it is, again, to go, where did you get that information from? Can you point back to where that comes from? Because we can avoid doubt by going, can you give me some backing for that? And going back to the very beginning, having doubts in general are not sinful when we bring them to the Lord because we have good answers, when we bring them to people that um, can answer them and, and the people that we trust. Reagan, you know, when you think now about, you know, what you would say to a student that came to you and said, you know, I, I watched this video and it basically said, I, I, you know, we can't really trust that the Bible is true because we think that this scribe did this or this scribe did that. And the student was really concerned. How would you kind of just speak peace to that kid in 30 seconds? Uh, a lot of the main points we've already covered. The, the doubt is natural. Um, none of us are born knowing everything. There are things we learn along the way. And, and truth be told, there's too much for us to know to learn it all at one point. There's too much about God. We won't ever know it all, right? Um, but th there are some, some very trustworthy people in, in this church uh, and in other churches around the world that have studied things like the, the transcripts from the different languages that could very much give you an answer much more accurate than a TikTok video could. Um, and you just got to know how to look on the Internet and how to find trustworthy sources uh, there's a difference between a TikTok content creator and uh, somebody who studied Hebrew for 25 years and has looked at ancient tablets. <laughs> Absolutely. And so if I was going to put what you said to a story or to an analogy, um, a lot of times a student gets so concerned because a 30-second TikTok video seemingly you know, disproves this or that in Christianity or causes them to doubt. And I would simply say, you know, if you've ever seen the Sistine Chapel in Rome, you know, we know that Michelangelo just it, it just spent years on it. And, of course, it's a complete masterpiece. Um, so one of the things that everybody says, oh, you really need, if you're going to go to Rome, you need to see that. Now, 
someone could roll in there at night and take a can of black paint and just throw it all up on the, you know, Sistine Chapel roof, I mean, ceiling and just actually, actually just mar it and just destroy it. Um, it might only take a few seconds for them to do that, but that in no way decreases the fact that it's a masterpiece and it's beautiful. It may only take a few seconds to throw some mud or throw some, throw some paint on it, but that doesn't undo the fact that it's real, that it's a masterpiece. And so just because a TikTok video can, uh, can, you know, maybe give you some, some doubtful food for thought doesn't mean that it's true, nor because it's quick doesn't mean that it somehow destroys Christianity. It may have simply thrown some, some black paint on it or some dark paint on it and tried to mar, uh, the beauty that's underneath it. So quick recap. Don't forget, we all deal with doubt. It's not dealing with doubt that's, that's, you know, the, the problem. It's, it's hiding it and taking it to the wrong places. So take your doubts to Jesus and to the church, to people that you absolutely trust. Secondly is understand the difference between doubt and stubborn doubt. Now, stubborn doubt, if you have been given clear, good evidence and you still choose to doubt just because it's easier to doubt, uh, the Bible has a lot to say about that, and you don't want to be a doubting Thomas, just like Jesus said. And then thirdly, just realize there's a difference between having doubts and being tricked. Um, we want to be avoid the, the tricks and the pitfalls of Satan, and so to know those things. Um, and then finally, again as well, uh, if you have things that you're doubting, you know, feel free to shoot us the email, um, paul at corinthtoday.org, and I will be glad to address them on the Students Ask podcast. Let me pray for us, and then we'll be out. Jesus, thank you so much for giving us minds, for giving us hearts, and for working together through your Holy Spirit in that. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you that your spirit guides us into all truth. And Lord, I pray that anyone listening to this today, Lord, that they're wrestling with doubts, would know that we have good answers, Lord, would take those doubts to you and uh, would show you would show them just how you mercifully and graciously and gently deal with us in such loving ways to restore us to faith. It's in your incredible name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you all so much for Paul and for Reagan. We love you guys.